It finally happened. There is new football to talk about, guys. Let's talk some Chiefs. Welcome to the Chief in the North, the land of 10,000 takes. I'm your host, Minnesota Chiefs fan, and it is a good time to be a Minnesota Chiefs fan, or a Chiefs fan in general, actually. Um, Football is back, and I couldn't be happier about it. I just, you can only rewatch the same film so many times before you start to slowly lose your mind, and it has just been, I felt like a kid in the candy store the last few days, having an opportunity to review and break down new film even though it's preseason and it's meaningless and all that stuff blah 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 i don't care it's new football and it's back uh this is episode seven of the chief in the north podcast um we are just i'm I'm so excited thank you for listening i've been having a blast um just a one quick housekeeping thing do me a solid and if you've been enjoying what i've been doing uh, do what you can to whatever app you have it on, whether it's iTunes or something else, to subscribe and rate and review. And I know all that's silly, but it actually does make a difference in my ability to keep bringing you this stuff. Uh, you guys have been great. There's been an awesome response to this, and I really want to keep it going. I'm having a good time. Now that we're done with that part, there's a lot to talk about. Um, Chiefs had their first preseason game. It ended in a loss, but... Really, going into the third quarter, they were winning, so let's be real. In preseason game one, that's a win. So that's what we're changing that to. Moral victories for the win. Um, And there's just so much to talk about from that game. I'm going to try to distill it into um, a a few things, but there's just so much to talk about that certain things are going to get left out. And So there's there's eight topics that I really want to touch on today. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Chris Conley, the starting offensive line, the starting defensive line, Rameek Wilson, Eric Murray, um, the uh, uh, Rush, which for some reason his first name is absolutely evading me right now, which you know is kind of embarrassing, but uh, what are you going to do? That's uh, something that's going to happen to you occasionally when your mind blanks out. Marcus, I was right. Anyway, now that I've convinced you all that I don't know what I'm talking about, Marcus Rush, I want to talk about him a little bit. I want to talk about uh, Passigno and the game that he had against the Niners. I've had a bunch of people ask me about him. I'm going to be writing about him on Arrowhead Pride next, probably in either today, since you'll be listening this Monday, or tomorrow you'll see that come out. I'll review all of his snaps. But I'm going to talk about him a little bit briefly. And then we'll close off talking about the quarterbacks because... Obviously, we're going to talk about the quarterbacks. And so, like I said, there's a lot to get through here. I'm going to try to keep this under 40 minutes. We'll see what happens. Um, Let's do this, starting off with Tyreek Hill. Um, You only got to see a couple snaps with Tyreek Hill where he actually got the ball. Um, And he obviously wasn't a huge part of the, the game plan after the first couple throws. And they didn't keep him in the game long for obvious reasons. But what little we saw of him was exciting. Um, I can't tell you how how great it was to see them air it out the very first play. Alex to Tyreek. There was a single high safety over the top. The the Niners had uh, 10 guys within, I would say, 8 yards of the line of scrimmage. It is the exact type of coverage the Chiefs have seen time after time after time. And haven't often been able to make teams pay for it. Uh, Hill had a, a corner 
pressing at the line, but didn't he, the corner didn't really actually jam. Tyreek gave him a stutter and just blew right past him. Smith threw what I would probably call the best pass of the night, other than maybe Bray's deep ball. Um, just a gorgeous throw. Hit him right in stride over the outside shoulder, and it was a huge gain. That was awesome to see. Um, what little can you take from that? I don't know. You know, it's just one play. But one thing I will tell you is it, it looks like uh, Alex to Tyreek is a thing. And the fact that he was able to beat the coverage so easily off the line, big deal. Again, though, just one play. The next play, he dropped a pass. He was clearly looking to, uh, it was a little wide receiver screen. He was clearly thinking about running first, and he dropped it. Now, hopefully that doesn't become a pattern because he's demonstrated good hands, but it's something to keep an eye on. But overall, you can only take so much from one play. I watched a few of his other snaps. He can get separation from what I'm seeing so far. We'll see how he does in future games. But the role of Z receiver doesn't look too big for him. This gadget player stuff, that game it looked foolish, calling him anything but a good wide receiver. We'll see what happens moving forward. The player that we got more usage from and actually got to see more of was Chris Conley, who was maybe in some people's minds a bit of a pleasant surprise against the Niners in how well he played. Um, I wasn't particularly surprised by it. I've I've talked about Conley a lot. I wrote about Conley extensively. I reviewed him here. And he has a useful set of skills. What I liked about Conley is he seemed, I mean, he really was getting open kind of at will against the the 49ers secondary, whether it was starters or whatever. It just didn't really seem to matter. The... (laughs) The, the, the called-off pass interference play, obviously, I mean, his stats would have been, he'd have had, what, uh, 130, 125-plus yards and a touchdown, had that big passing play from Bray not been called back on what was just a horrendous pass interference call. You know, homerism aside, it's funny, when you watch on Game Pass, you have the, uh, the, the, the opposite teams, because they were playing in, at Arrowhead, the opposite team uh, crew was the one calling the game. So, you know, it was kind of the, the San Francisco guys. And even they sat there. Yeah, he kind of got away with one there. The corner was trapping his arm. And Conley, um, used, utilizing the strength I've talked about before, basically, you know, he he, he outfought him. He, he slapped the hand away repeatedly. And then finally just shoved the hand off and was able to get the defensive back to back off. And the ref called a flag, despite the illegal contact that had been occurring for 20 yards when that happened. It is what it is. It's unfortunate, but what are you going to do? What I appreciate, you know, Conley he caught a couple passes. Um, he made a couple plays. He looked tough to cover out there. He looked physical. He looked big, and he looked fast. And so it'll be really interesting. He made a huge jump from year one to year two, um, going from a total non-factor to a decent wide receiver. Will he make a big jump? That would be a huge bonus for the offense, and all signs were positive. Um I was I was just really impressed with what he was able to do, regardless of who was covering him. And so it'll be interesting to see how things go forward with Tyreek and, and Chris Conley, because at least against the Niners, they, they looked like they had them utterly overmatched. And honestly, had you kept Alex Smith in that game, I, I think you would have seen another couple drives just marching down the field, because the Niners' corners, who again, these aren't stars here, um, they could not cover Conley and Hill. So that's an encouraging first step. Shifting gears a little bit to talking about the group that I love to talk about, let's dive into the offensive line a little bit. 
I plan on doing a write-up of some sort on the offensive line this week, maybe maybe breaking down wins and losses like I usually do. It's difficult in preseason because you don't have the Madden cam view. Um, I was just wildly impressed with the starting offensive line. There was one hiccup by Witzman, you know, the new guy, where he let an instant pressure go through. Um, but overall... They did a really, really good job, whether they were blocking for Alex or for Tyler Bray. Um, Mitchell Schwartz, who who you know started off last year, not shaky, but he was on a bum ankle for like the first half of the season. Most guys would have had to sit, but he's a tough guy, so he played. He looks completely healthy, and he just dominated on his side. Um, LDT dominated. Mitch Morse looked fantastic. Eric Fisher looked really good. Um, Witzman more than held his own the majority of the snaps out there. He did have a couple hiccups. It'll be interesting to see how that goes moving forward. You know, I don't, I'm not hearing any reports on where anger is at. It would be surprising to me if he lost out, considering that he won the job outright last season. Um, it would be surprising to me if he got replaced here. Um, but not impossible, clearly. And so the the line, though, in general, I mean, they just looked great. I actually have a, a GIF up on uh, a couple GIFs on Twitter where you see, for one, like on Spencer Ware's touchdown, um, LDT and Mitch Morse and Mitchell Schwartz all make great blocks for where to get into the end zone. And there's another GIF that I put up there that's Tyler Bray standing back in the pocket with just all day to throw, just all day. And... I mean, you you really if you really sit down and think about it, as improved as the offensive line was last year, and it was, it was no longer a bad line. Um, you still can't think of all that many snaps where the quarterback just had time to just sit there, not move at all, not have to worry about anything, just sit there and survey the defense. And if you watch, like say the Raiders or the Cowboys, you see the quarterbacks there get an opportunity to do that all the time. It's one of the reasons I have doubts about Derek Carr is he so often is able to just sit there and scan the field. And that makes such a huge difference for a quarterback. Um, the starting offensive line, I was just so impressed with them. Um, they could very easily be a strength this year. You're going to hear a lot of positive things in this podcast, I'm going to tell you, because the the first and a lot of the second stringers on the Chiefs were very impressive. Um, against a bad team, make no mistake. But they played very well. And so that's what we're mostly going to be focused on. Except with one caveat. Um, when we got to the backup offensive line, and especially the third string offensive line, they were bad. I mean, legitimately bad. Um, almost to a worrisome point. Uh, lots of pressure immediately. Um, looks like Patrick Mahomes has been moved to the second string. We'll talk about quarterbacks eventually here. But, you know, I, I'm relieved in a sense because I don't think we were ever going to be able to find out much about Mahomes' ability to run an offense playing behind that line because they were just getting whooped by San Francisco's third string. It was so terrible. Now, Stave didn't really help things, but it was very bad for in the entire second half. The pass protection was mostly horrendous. And that's something I'm a bit concerned about because offensive line is something you can generally count on getting some injuries. And I just, I'm not comfortable with the depth the Chiefs have, particularly at tackle. If they lose a guard, I think they'll be okay. If they lose Mitch Morse, and I love Mitch Morse, Fulton has shown he can step in, and even though he's not as good or really even close to as good, he's competent at center. And so if they lose one of the interior guys, I think they'll be all right. If they lose one of their tackles, I am concerned. 
So that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, but again, the starting line, really impressive. I hope to see them double up on that this next week um, because they looked decent down the stretch last year. And then play if they play as well as they did against San Francisco, the passing attack can do really well. The running game, I'm, I'm going to wait and see on that one. Um, I just didn't see enough to really know one way or another what things are going to look like there. There were a couple run plays that were well blocked, and a 49er just made a good play. Like there was a stretch run by Ware to the left side that, you know, a guy just made a good play. And sometimes there's not much you can do about that. But the pass blocking in particular looked really solid. Run blocking, I'm going to need to see a little more. Um, I saw some good things individually. I'm not sure about them as a unit at this point. And so, you know, things look really positive with, with the wide receivers, with the offensive line. Let's talk about defense for a second here. And um, the biggest surprise for me on defense was Raheem Nunez-Rochez. Um, I liked his film last year. I thought he, he, he did have some real weaknesses. Uh, but I, I thought that he was aggressive. I thought that he had great pad level, um, really fired off the snap real quick. Uh, the problem that I had with him last year was that he just he was too small, too small to play nose, too small to really play interior. He just he would get pushed around by double teams and even by individual offensive linemen occasionally. And that concerned me about his ability to be a full time player, especially if Chris Jones has to miss any amount of time. Um Against the Niners, and, you know, hey, it's one preseason game, uh, Nunez-Rochez was borderline dominant. And I was very surprised. He looked significantly stronger. And it's come out since then. Therese Paler reported on this today. And uh, uh, Nunez-Rochez was talking about it himself. That he put on 25 pounds this offseason. Just said it was good weight. He could feel it in his base. And it shows on the field. He no longer looks undersized out there. And he doesn't appear to have lost any of his speed or quickness. Because if you go back and you rewatch the snaps, and that's what I did, you can see that he is the first one firing off at the snap virtually every snap. And that includes, like, outside linebackers even. Um, now, again, you know, ideally, your defensive linemen, because of the view they have, they can, they, you ideally want them to be firing off quicker than everyone else. But rarely does that work out in practice. But Nunez Rochez has a great first step. He looked really strong out there. He was very difficult to move. And that was a difference from his film last year. Last year, he was really good at getting penetration. And he was occasionally good at getting inside the pads of one guard when he was on like attack mode. However, when he wasn't able to get superior position or when he was just asked to, to two-gap, as it were, and, and hold the line... That was a weakness of his. He couldn't do it very well because he was just too light. There were multiple plays that I saw where he he was in just that situation and he held his own. And I, I was just so impressed, especially because they started him at nose, which was not – I mean he was not good at it last year. He played exceptionally well. And it will be interesting to – that will be something to keep an eye on moving forward because he could be a surprise – major contributor this year if he keeps playing like that think uh jay howard in 2015 kind of thing um just someone who really unexpectedly just jumps onto the scene and becomes one of the better defensive linemen on the team and then speaking of defensive linemen you got to talk about alan bailey uh, he came back he looked huge which surprised no one 
He looked wildly strong. Again, surprised no one. But he looked a little aggressiver. A little aggressiver. Because <laughs> that's a word. He looked a little more aggressive out there to me. And a little bit quicker. He uh, he obviously had early on one really nice play that he dumped the runner for a loss of a couple yards. He basically absorbed a double team on that play, split them, and just, I mean, just destroyed the running back. It was fantastic. And um, additionally on that play, it's got to be noted, D. Ford did a really good job coming down the line, and Houston set his edge extremely well. It was really great to see the run defense for the first team when they had everyone in there. Um, they were not giving anything up running wise you know people can talk about the run defense but all the damage was done once the majority of the first team guys were out especially along the front and so i'm just not too worried about i was really really happy with how they did um and so alan bailey was a big part of that and so i'm really relieved to see that because he just you know he's a guy that we need chiefs need him to be strong this year they they need him to do well because the run defense needs some help. And with Nunez Rochez playing better and Bailey being back and Benny Logan, I think, being an upgrade over Dontari Poe, Chris Jones being the second year, there's a very real chance that what was a very meh group last year for the Chiefs outside of Chris Jones could really come on and be a major strength for the team because they were just destroying San Francisco's offensive line. And that was without two of their starters. So that was a great sign and something to keep your eye on moving forward. Um, with regards to the rest of the de- defensive front seven, um, we'll talk about Ramik after the break, but um, Justin Houston looked like himself out there. He didn't do anything really crazy rushing the passer um, that I saw. However, he I mean, he set the edge really well. He looked like he was winning the majority of his snaps, and I, he, he looks like himself. He looks fast. He looks strong. I'm really happy to have that guy back. He had a couple plays that were more behind-the-scenes type plays where his effect on a run or a pass won't show up on the stat sheet, but they show up on the field, and that is all that I care about. It was so great to see him out there. Um, With regards to D. Ford, I might write about him later this week. It's a small sample size with him. He had one good pressure where he made a move inside. Um, He looked a little quicker off the right side than he did last season. And so I'm curious to see if that's something that continues or if that was just a, a bit of a fluke. Um, again, you know, D Ford is a guy who really messes with the ceiling of the defense. If he takes a step forward from the right side the way he did from the left side last year, the ceiling of the defense goes up considerably. Um, and he's one of the biggest X factors of the season. Uh, and if, if no one else takes a big step forward, like, like it looks like R&R might. And so there's a lot of things that we talked about before the season that maybe need to fall into place. And honestly, when it comes to some of the things I've talked about so far, the wide receivers, the offensive line, the defensive line, Houston's health, uh, Ford playing from the right side, man, for at least one night, they all looked like they were coming into place the way that you want. And let's be honest, any team that contends, it's really a matter of things coming together at the right time in the NFL for most teams, unless you're like the Patriots and you contend for, you know, 16 years. But a lot of it's just things going all right, things going the way that you're hoping they will, players developing the way that you're hoping they will. And right now, so far, the groups that we've talked about, they really have come along the way that I had hoped they would. 
And so speaking of things coming along, the next guy I want to talk about is uh, Rameek Wilson, who had himself a heck of a game. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Then when we get back, we're going to dive into Rameek Wilson's film. So when I reviewed the Inside Linebacker film from 2016, uh, I, I determined that the two best guys that played inside linebacker uh, next to Derek Johnson, and then once he went out, were Justin March and Rameek Wilson. And what I said, and I said it here, um, was that I thought Justin March had the most impressive film in 2016. I thought he looked the quickest to the ball. I thought he took on tacklers the best. Um, he didn't hesitate as much, and I thought he looked faster sideline to sideline. Um, what's interesting um, is that he's been healthy this year, and he has not been able to reclaim his spot from Rameek Wilson. And I found that surprising throughout the throughout the entire training camp. I kept waiting to hear that March was replacing Rameek just like he did last year. But it hasn't happened, and after watching the first preseason game, obviously we need more information than what we've got. I'm thinking maybe we've seen why. Rameek had a really impressive game against the 49ers. Um, he he did a lot of things right. Therese Paler talked about this a little bit. He looked like he was um, diagnosing and closing more quickly than he did last year. And I noticed that too. Last year, there, there were times where it just seemed like he was hesitating just for a split second. Well, the problem with hesitating as an inside linebacker is it gives guards just that split second to get into good position on you. And when you're giving up good position to a guy who outweighs you by 70 pounds, you're going to have a bad time to quote a meme. It's just not going to work out well for you. And so Rameek, on multiple plays, and I've got a few of them gift up, and I might write about him too. i got a lot of guys to write about on Arrowhead Pride this week. Um, the, he, 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 he flashed the ball very quickly. He aggressively took on blockers, and he plugged holes quickly. Um, I, I can think of three or four plays off the top of my head where he did so. And that was really great to see because the two main things that were weaknesses of his, he seemed like an intelligent guy. He was good in coverage. He, uh, he, he tackles decently. Um, the things that were that bothered me about him were his, his ability to read and react quickly without hesitating and to take on blockers at the point of attack and, and do so aggressively. And he did both of those against the Niners, both of them at a higher level than I saw him do at any point last year. And so I was he, he looked genuinely faster out there. Now, unless, you know, he somehow, you know, gained speed over the offseason, which is not that easy a thing to do um, at his age, odds are what's happening is, is he's diagnosing more quickly. And that could well be the key to him having beaten out March this year because what March had on him by and large was that he didn't hesitate as much. So if you take some of Rameek's other strengths and now have a guy who doesn't have those same weaknesses, he played real well. He looked good out there next to DJ, doing his job, plugging holes, um, made a great hit on the goal line that knocked a running back backward. That was the play where the ball got punched out, I think, by Terrence Mitchell. I don't know if I'd say punched out. It was actually just a terrible, terrible fumble. But what are you going to do? Um and on that play, if you if you rewatch it, that was another play. I mean, he just flew in there and hit the running back. He didn't hesitate. And that that point two seconds that he saved by flying in 
and diagnosing correctly first and then flying in. Because if all you need to do is fly in, DJ Alexander would be a pro bowler. But by diagnosing correctly and flying in there, no one was really able to get a hand on him. And he laid a great hit on the running back, knocked him backwards. And it was just a just an A-plus play. And so it was really gratifying to see Rameek Wilson play so well. He's another guy where, you know, when we've tried to figure out how the season would go, you know, we'll say things like, man, if Rameek can take a step forward, well, crud, for at least a night, it looked like he did. And so that's encouraging as well. Um, and, you know, so far we've talked extent, almost exclusively about encouraging things other than the third string offensive line, which is horrible. But um, one player that I did notice that I wanted to touch on briefly was Eric Murray. Um, he's gotten a lot of really good attention during the offseason for just playing extremely well and getting reps with the first team and how much he's diagnosing things now and how he's understanding how things work now. And I'm sure all that's true. And he definitely looked fast out there. Um, but I, I got to tell you, Murray, he had a part in a few too many bad plays for my taste. And that'll be something interesting to watch moving forward. There were a couple times he missed a major tackle on something like a, a you know, 60, 70 yard gain. And he missed a tackle that made a goal from a 15 yard gain to a 60, 70 yard gain. And that's the biggest thing as a safety. You have to, have to, have to stop the big plays. Um, one thing Eric Berry does that is only now really having, you know, people, people don't really, you know, hype up a guy for stuff like this, but they should. Um, Eric Berry's pretty good at preventing big plays. He he's People don't notice the tackles you didn't miss. All they notice is, oh, dang, it was a 15-yard gain, and they're upset about it. But what they have to realize is by having a reliable safety, having a guy who makes the tackle every single time, you don't have those whiffs that turn into 60-yard plays or 60-yard touchdowns. Um, that's... There's huge value in that because of avoiding big plays, it's been shown, it, you know, big plays and turnovers are kind of the name of the game in the NFL. If you can have more big plays and you don't turn the ball over as much as the other team, odds are you're going to win. And by having a, a sure tackler in the backfield for the, of the se- secondary, you are creating a situation where you can win more games, even if they don't reflect on the stat sheet as much as you'd think. Well, Murray just he didn't do a great job with that. He took a couple bad angles. Um, he did have a, he did have a couple good plays as well, and he looks very fast out there. And he doesn't look like he hesitates at all to stick his nose in there. So I don't know if you could chalk it up to nerves or what. But Murray, for all the hype that I'd heard about him, he didn't impress me. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, you know, it's quite often that players in their first real, you know, action with a little more pressure. They might, they might, they might tighten up a bit, and so we'll see how he does in the next game. Um, speaking of seeing how someone does, another guy that everyone has clamored for me to take a look at was Marcus Rush. Um, I understand that he had a sack, and you know, almost any time a, a player collects a sack, uh, fans are generally going to clamor about the guy because that's something that we notice. People also noticed, you know, really early on, he had like a pressure in the opposing team's end zone, although. I wouldn't call that a very impressive play, and I'll talk about why in a minute. Um, and he just he had a couple of he had a couple of decent plays that they caught people's attention. I, I even had a conversation with someone who 
who was interested in seeing if he could beat out Ford for his snaps, that kind of thing. Here's what I'd say about Marcus Rush after watching him for a lot of the second half as I rewatched. Um, he seems like he's got a really good motor. He's got a pretty good burst at the line. He's got some athleticism. Um, on the sack, for example, he, he, he spun to the inside and he got hit really hard by the guard, but, and the guard seemed like he expected it to stun rush, but it didn't. And he kept, he kept churning and ran right off the hit into the quarterback. That's a tough thing to do. And it really demonstrated some real motor and want to. And in addition to the fact that he's a fast guy, he looks like he's got some athleticism, maybe a little bend around the edge. But here's what I'll say with him. Um, The majority of the plays that he made that I think fans noticed, because let's face it, the majority of the time when you're watching a game live, you're just mostly, at least, look, if you're me, at least, you're watching the ball. You're watching the play as it unfolds. You're not really focusing on how the player came into your view. You just kind of notice that he came into your view, and Rush came into people's view quite a few times. Well, the reason for that, the majority of the time, were on plays where he was schematically left unblocked. And so I would pump the brakes a little bit, um, or a lot, with regards to whether or not he's going to be that unexpected contributor at the edge. Man, I hope he is. But I just saw him during the second half, especially, have snap after snap after snap where he just did nothing as a pass rusher against second and third stringers. And that's not something you really want to see. That That's a bit discouraging. Um, again, he's, he's got, he's got a good run or he's got a good run, a good motor. Um, and he's got some athleticism to him. So it'll be interesting to see what he does, but I didn't see anything that made me say, wow, this guy's really standing out among the second and third stringers. Like, For example, Justin Houston's rookie year, and I'm not trying to say that people should be a Justin Houston or they're terrible, but my point is that with with Houston, his rookie year, when he was playing against second and third stringers, it was ridiculous. It looked looked ridiculous. It looked like a a senior in high school had snuck on with a freshman team and was playing. Um, It was kind of like how Chris Jones looked his rookie year when in the preseason playing against second and third stringers. It just didn't even look fair. And I didn't see that from Rush. I didn't see anything that really stood out to me. The plays that he did make were largely unblocked. So I'm sorry. That's what I saw. I hope I'm wrong. And we'll see if he he tries to make some plays. I do know that it was talked about by the San Francisco broadcasters that for a couple years in a row in San Francisco, he was a star in preseason and then vanished. So we'll see how it goes with him. Um, Hopefully he's a guy who can contribute because you never can have too many edge rushers. And... Since I'm working on my segues, speaking of edge rushers, uh, Passigno. Um, he was a guy a lot of people were really excited to watch. And again, I'm going to be writing about him on Arrowhead Pride this week, so I'm not going to go too in-depth right now. I haven't reviewed every snap, charting wins and losses and stuff like that. Um, what I saw from, from K-Pass or whatever you want to call him, I, I saw a few, especially early, a few good snaps as a pass rusher. Um, a couple where he forced some double teams, had some effective double teams. Um, so that was encouraging against the run. You could see some of the tools, that length. He looked bigger than I expected to. He wasn't quite as lean as I thought he would be. So I assume they kind of, you know, having him on that, apparently, Raheem Nunez Rochez diet, trying to get a little extra weight on him with the way they're trying to play him. I will say that by and large, he was not very visible most of the game. He had a few pressures, maybe you'd call it, or a few wins against offensive linemen, but he wasn't doing anything out there that made me say, holy smokes, kind of the same thing with Rush. 
Um, he just didn't do anything that really made himself stand out. Um, I know a lot of people have high hopes for for K-Pass. I, I just, unless he shows something that I didn't see in this game, which again, very small sample size. It's one preseason game, so who knows? I'm thinking that you know he might be a bit of a project. Again, he, he showed a few flashes, especially rushing from the edge a couple times, where his combination of length and first step and strength make him kind of a, a kind of a tough tough block. Um, but overall, I, he didn't seem like he gave them a ton of trouble. And so we'll see. I, I would especially pay attention to his pass rushing snaps in the next game because that's where he showed a little something. As a run defender, he didn't do anything that made me impressed at all, to be honest, especially along the defensive line. Um, he set the edge all right a few times, and it'll be interesting to see moving forward. I really don't know if they know exactly how they want to use him yet, whether they want to use him as a giant edge guy or they want to slide him to the interior. I just don't think they know. And so I'd keep an eye on him, but he definitely looked like a guy who might need a little bit more time, who again, would, you know, would benefit from a little learning of refining of his moves. Um, it was really clear to him. You could almost see him processing on run plays and that's got to speed up. You know, you can't really exactly be thinking out there. I don't know how else to describe it. You know, you see DJ C, DJ go. Um, you, you need to be able to diagnose a little more quickly than I think he was against the run. And so we'll see how it goes. Apparently, you know, he's he's learned quickly and he's improved a lot during his time in Kansas City. So uh, I, I wouldn't put it past him to look better from game one to game two. But we'll have to see on that. Um, so, you know, we've, we've talked about some good stuff. We've talked about a few maybe things that are a little less encouraging. Um, the final topic I want to touch on uh, is the, the topic that is likely going to be the topic um, until training camp is over, um, quarterback. And one thing is that as I record this on Sunday, um, today Patrick Mahomes was moved to the second string on offense. That um, does not come as a surprise, I think, to a lot of people. Although maybe to some. you know, I've heard more than a few people like, oh man, we can't have Mahomes as the primary backup this year. Oh, it would be a disaster. I, I guess I don't see that. And now that I think people have gotten a chance to see both Bray and Mahomes in game action, the people who were holding out for Bray are a lot more like, oh, at this point. And it's not like Bray played a terrible game. You know, I guess we'll start from the third string and work our way up. It's not like Bray played a terrible game. The problem is when he throws the football, you have no idea whether it's going to be an awesome throw or an awful throw. And that's tough. The interception he threw wasn't a bad read. Spencer Ware was open. It's just that Bray cannot throw on the run, at least not that I've seen much of. I mean, he might do it occasionally. He's got that rocket arm. But, I mean, the, him throwing while on the move just doesn't end well. And really – even when he's not on the move, you saw a couple passes where, I mean, his, his his accuracy is still, what, four years in the league now? Four, five, seven, I don't know. We'll say 11 years in the league. Um, you know, something like four years in the league, and his accuracy is still just all over the map. And you can't have that. It just, it's too unpredictable, and it leads to easy interceptions. Well, I mean, well that interception wasn't that easy. The Niner made a good play. But I'm not surprised. Um 
I am pleased that Mahomes is getting second-team snaps because, like I said earlier, playing behind that third-string line, we weren't going to learn anything about his ability to run an offense. And what I really like about this is that in Game 2, now we're talking about we're talking about Patrick Mahomes, this means that probably in Game 2, if Alex Smith gets pulled a little earlier than the other starters, which Andy Reid has often done, especially when the offense starts off well, um, that means we might get a chance to see Mahomes with the first team, which would be really fun to see, especially if they continue to pass block so well. Everyone's dream of seeing him uncork just one deep ball to uh, Tyree Kill could finally come true. And that would be fun, let's face it. And, you know, um, speaking of, of deep passes, you know, let's let's be let's be real. The that first pass that Mahomes made to Demarcus Robinson, that was a lot of fun. I cheered, it was great to see. It's worth noting that wasn't a great throw. It wasn't a bad throw. I mean, it was 40 yards down the field, and the receiver had to slow down, but it's not like he had to completely break stride. Um, but it wasn't a great throw. I wouldn't call that, you know, with the system I use, you know, where you got franchise quarterback throws. I wouldn't call that a franchise quarterback throw or even really that close. I wouldn't necessarily call it an inaccurate throw because the farther down the field you get, the more – the more leniency I give regarding accuracy. A throw that's a couple yards short of where it should be, 40 yards down the field, as long as it's still got good air under it and gets there on time, I'm not going to kill a guy for that. But that's not really the throw that got me psyched about Mahomes. The 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 touchdown, that was cool, seeing him create when Andy Reid's offense couldn't win. And this is the narrative with Mahomes. This is the thing that I think people, it's important for them to remember. And I've said this repeatedly. I'm going to keep saying it. We know Patrick Mahomes can do things that other quarterbacks can't do. And that can't do, um, that, that, that thing, that, the stuff he can do that other quarterbacks can't do is create when the system breaks down. Andy Reid's system is great, but it doesn't always work. And so what we have Mahomes for, ideally, in a perfect world, is when things break down, he ad-libs and makes it to where plays that with other quarterbacks would fail 50% of the time only fail 20% of the time or 10% of the time. And that might not seem like much, but it's a huge difference. Even just altering three or four plays a game, that can be the difference between a franchise guy and a non-franchise guy. It just can when you only have when you only have 60 snaps a game, six snaps is 10% of the time you're on the field. So now we, we know he can do the things other quarterbacks can't do. We need to see him do things other quarterbacks can do. And that's what I was excited about on, on Friday evening. He, he was pointing out protections. He was arranging guys at the line. He was working the huddle just fine. I didn't see any kind of issues from him running the offense. Um, he, uh, by and large, he had he had one play where I just, you know, I, he had two plays that I dubbed as inaccurate throws. One, you know, was the miss to Escobar in the end zone. That was just an inaccurate throw on the run. It, on that snap, I wasn't thrilled with his footwork as the pocket started to get a little dicey around him. But even though his footwork wasn't good, he recovered well from the initial pressure and naturally drifted to where the pressure wasn't. He demonstrated that pocket awareness and that awareness of where the rushers are and where they aren't. And that's a big deal and something that is a strength of his. Um, the other inerrant throw could arguably be pinned on the receiver because, you know, you could say he was leading the receiver. I'm not going to get into all that. Um, it was a good pocket presence moment. I think he just missed the throw. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hose him for that. Overall, he made. A, he made that touchdown. I thought he made a great play there. 
I've had some people try to tell me that that wouldn't work against first string players. I guess I've seen first string players drift when a quarterback runs to the sideline like that a million times. And the ball placement on that touchdown throw was exceptional. Absolutely exceptional. Um, he, he made a couple of good throws down the field. He had one with some real heat on it between multiple defenders. Um, he just, he looked impressive. He looked the part, especially for a guy out there for the first time. And I think that's the reason more than Bray, because Bray had some good moments too. I just think Mahomes very, very clearly outplayed him despite being in a worse situation. Um, and by that, you know, you can say, well, Seth, you know, he was playing against worse players. That's, that's true. Um, he wasn't playing against second string players for the most part. I think he did a little, but he also... The offensive line that he had, it was just bad. It was just bad. And so it doesn't matter if you're playing against worse players if your players are even worse. And so overall, Mahomes, what I would like is he demonstrated the ability to run the offense. He um, he hit a couple of those little, you know, those short little quick outs um, to to the running back or to a wide receiver. He What I liked about those quick wide receiver screens, he showed some zip on those passes. They were accurate. He hit them on time and in stride. He demonstrated he can do the things a regular quarterback can do. It's just step one now. Don't get me wrong, but it was really encouraging to see. Um, you know, it's it's ironic that the final guy I'm going to talk about is the guy who's arguably one of the most important of this upcoming season, Alex Smith. Um, here's what I'll say about Alex. He played really well. That throw to Tyreek Hill was an absolute beauty. He had a couple good throws, a couple good reads. I really love how... He took off and scrambled for that first down. I know a lot of people wish he would keep his eyes up longer. I wish he would keep his eyes up longer. But I like the fact that he aggressively acted. He saw that there was an opening there and he just took it. When Alex is free to run, he is the best version of himself. When he's not hesitating. And that was what was so weird about last season. For much of the season, Alex wouldn't run. And it was detrimental to his game because his athleticism is a big part of his game. He's very fast. He wrecked the linebacker's angle on that 10-yard gain. And so um, Alex played really well. He did have one poor throw that could have been picked off to Demetrius Harris in the in the red zone. Outside of that, he was borderline. He was, he was close to flawless. He played very well. He was scanning the field a bit, I noticed, and that was encouraging to see. Um, and again, that throw to that throw to Hill was a beauty. He he marched the offense down the field and they scored a touchdown. You can't ask much more. Um, I'm really hoping Tyreek Hill is the thing that pushes Alex a little bit farther, just like what we've been wanting since he arrived. Just a little bit more aggressive. That would be wonderful to see. Um, he played he played probably the best out of all three of the quarterbacks. I, I wouldn't say Mahomes outplayed him. Um, sample sizes make it kind of difficult to ascertain that kind of thing. Um, what'll be interesting for me to see now in game two, again, with keeping in mind that Alex played extremely well, um, showed why he's the starter. Um, Holmes played well, um, Bray played not as well. Um, you could see the clear hierarchy. So now what'll be interesting again is in game two, Will Mahomes get a few snaps with the first stringers? That would be interesting to see because I've been saying it and I'm not – I hate that everything becomes about the, the quarterback stuff, but it, it is what it is. I've been saying all offseason, maybe 10 15% chance that Mahomes forces his way onto the field this year. Here's the deal. The way that starts 
would be getting a few snaps with the first teamers and crushing it. Like it would have to be a clear thing, right? It would have to be like Russell Wilson, his rookie year thing, like so clearly so good and maybe even a little better because Russell Wilson just had to beat out Matt Flynn, not Alex Smith. And no, Alex Smith is not Matt Flynn. He's significantly better. And so I don't think it'll happen. I th- I've been on record. I think Alex hangs on the position and has his best year as a chief. I really do. I think the connection he's built with Tyreek Hill will help that happen. Um, but the fact that Alex, you know, when you look at the fact that Alex was able to lead the team down the field the way he did without Travis Kelsey, still their best player on offense, that says something about the fact that he played well. And so if Mahomes gets a chance to play with the first stringers, that'll be something interesting to look at because the pass protection was fantastic. And his, um, you, you see Conley doing some things to get open down the field. Uh, yeah, it's it's tough not to think of what it would look like with a guy with a bit of a bigger arm. That said, Alex was hitting Tyreek down the hill or down the hill down the field, and so you know, in in all reality, Mahomes would have to do something pretty impressive to beat out Alex if Alex keeps playing at the level that we saw against the Niners. So overall, you know, the first week of preseason, you can't take too much out of it, but. It was still definitely encouraging, definitely impressive in a lot of aspects. I'm I'm just so excited to have more to look at and more to digest and see how things go moving forward and see how some of the young players who look like they're stepping up continue to do so. Um, You know, in the meantime, if you uh, check Arrowhead Pride this week, you're definitely going to find some stuff on Passanio, probably going to find some stuff on Rameek Wilson, maybe on Raheem Nunez-Rochez as well, and the starting offensive line. You know, I'm just one man, so I can only write so much, but there's just so much good stuff to look at there. Um, In the meantime, uh, I, as always, thanks for listening. This has been the Chief in the North, and I will talk to you guys next Monday with even more wonderful, wonderful new film to review. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week.